Well, as you can tell from the video, today we're talking about politics. <laughs> yes, that is a giant dumpster fire is a phrase that I had heard and have heard multiple times, especially over the last few years, as I've engaged in conversation around government and politics. And today, my encouragement to you would be to not allow uh, the uh, d general disdain in our culture for government or politics to shape your view of how it is that you engage with government and politics. In fact, I want to uh, argue from Scripture today from 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and 6 that there's a specific posture that we're called to take as it relates to our engagement with government. Um, for those of you who are uh, uh, joining us today in person, you should have received a handout. If you did not get a handout and would like one, please wave your hands up in the air as if you just do not care, and one of our amazing hosts will get those to you. For those of you who are joining us online, uh, so good to be with you today digitally. If you go to our website, dsbc.church, on the front page of the website, there is uh, a link. Uh, you'll see groundwork and then a link uh, to our study guides. We're on uh, part number four. Uh, with the giant globe on it. And I'll read from the front. The, the, this series that we're in, Groundwork, is, uh, is a moment for us to take a look at some of the core convictions that we have as a church family. Uh, and it's kind of like statements or phrases that we oftentimes say around here. So as we think about uh, government politics, we have articulated it this way, that we engage as a church family, we engage in government and politics while remaining untethered to any political party, striving to live first as ambassadors of the kingdom of God. So just to note a couple things. Number one, we do engage in government and politics. I'd like to argue a little bit about why that is. Uh, while we are untethered from any political party, and we'll share a little bit from the scriptures on that end, uh, finally, we strive to live first as ambassadors of the kingdom of God. Now, I did want to say, too, that uh, when we think about go uh, government and politics, I know that it's fun to uh, make fun uh, with like the dumpster fire and things like that. Uh, but government, for many of us, we'll, we'll, we tend to drift into this thinking that government is a necessary evil. But I actually don't think, as I read my Bible, I don't think that that's how God intends for us to view government. Just like all the other good gifts of God, sex, money, power, etc., uh, government is a gift from God to be stewarded. It is the way that we manage our common life together. If you open your Bibles, your first two pages will show you that not only did God create the cosmos and create humanity and uh, desires to dwell with humanity within his cosmos, he also called people to rule and reign over the cosmos, which is government language. Uh, government is a good created by God to be stewarded. However, just like sex, money, and power, it can be distorted and corrupted by sin and become something that curses instead of blesses. And so when we think about government, I, I just want to encourage you not to take that approach of just general disdain, rolling your eyes and things like that, but rather it's a good to be stewarded that God has given to us. And I just, I, I, would, I would prove it to you by saying, have you ever been to a place where the government is failing? Oh, I didn't mean it like that, but you know what I mean. <laughs> All right, we're off to a great start. Okay, so uh, government is a good created by God to be stewarded. Government is how we manage our common life together. How many of you drove here today on a road, a paved road? Okay, and there were signs posted, weren't there, that told you our agreed-upon limit for the speed. 
You guys remember that, right? And so it's, that's, and so, so some of us are like, we want that number to be higher. And so you disobey the law and you commit sin by doing so. And then others of us think the number should be lower. And, and so there's, but that, but that number, that speed limit is our agreed upon, uh, um, it's our agreement on how we're going to manage our common life together as we traverse these roads together. Because I have not only responsibility to myself, but I also have a responsibility to you. And so my actions can uh, adversely impact you. And so I'm going to drive the speed limit or under in order to make sure not only that me and mine are safe, but also that you and yours are safe. Government is how we get the roads, the roads paved. It's how we, uh, how we navigate, like, what's the appropriate speed limit and things like that. In fact, for many of us, we, we often don't pay attention to government until it's like a giant dumpster fire, until government fails, or until people are yelling and screaming at each other at a fever pitch. But most governing is done in such a way, it's just, it's just boring, normal, like, life, managing our common life together, right? That's like most of government is just that. And it, it came home to me uh, in, in a real way, even this week, I was talking to, to Lacey, who's one of my coworkers. Uh, she and her husband, Zach, uh, just um, uh, received under their care a foster child. They completed the foster care training and received foster care child into their home. I think, Zach, was it a couple weeks ago? Or can you even count anymore? I know you're not sleeping. Two, two three weeks ago. Okay, so um, one of the things, as I was talking to Lacey, she was talking about the child who's under their care, uh, that the child was going to be visiting with one of their birth parents. And uh, they were arranging. So the government is arranging for this to happen as to the best of their capacities, safely and, and in a healthy way for the child, aiming towards reconciliation with the birth parent or parents. And one of the things that Lacey said, she was like, yeah, okay, so I'm not going to take the child, but, but they're going to send someone to take the child, and if there's no one available, they'll send the child home in a taxi. And most of us, myself included, I was like, what? How could that possibly be? And we had this big, long conversation around like, wait, is that right? I mean, how does that work? Is, and, and even for me as a citizen of... Uh, of Arizona, I'm thinking, wait, is that, is that the right way for us to do that? Like, how do we work together to manage our common life together to take care of this child and, and make it so that, like, a kid doesn't have to get sent home in a taxi? But I also thought, just a little bit bigger picture, about an experience I had. I, uh, many years ago, I got to go to uh, Kampala, Uganda. Uh, I went a few years in a row and got to minister there. I thought I was ministering, but actually I was being ministered to. And there was a group of orphans uh, with an organization called A Perfect Injustice. Uh, David and Abby Kikito lead it. And one of the things that, that as they were telling me the story of uh, orphans there in Kampala is, by and large, that it, within the government system, there is not care taken for especially poor orphans. And so if you don't have any money and you're an orphan, you don't have family to go to, generally speaking, your options are to steal and to live in a slum. And there are many children who do that, and uh, their neighbors who find them to be, some of their neighbors who find them to be a nuisance will actually poison some food, leave it out to kill the child. Government is our common life together. It's how we manage our common life together. It's how we as a community, you take foster care, for instance, how we as a community have said, hey, we're not going to do that. We're going to try our hardest to do, we're going we're to try to do right based on our values as a community, and how we manage that is what we call Government. Government is a key space in which we love our neighbor as ourself. It's a key way for Jesus followers to practice that love of neighbor as we manage our common life together. 
As a uh, church family last week, we shared that there are many uh, refugees that end up getting resettled here in Arizona. And Governor Doug Ducey had, uh, made a proclamation last week or two weeks ago, uh, specifically thinking about um, the refugees that are coming from Afghanistan, saying Arizona is ready to receive and care. And as a church family, we welcome refugees. But how we manage that process to make sure that background checks are done, to make sure the vetting's done, to make sure the transportation happens, that's government. It's how we manage our common life together. And by the way, I, I did want to say, church family, last week we said that last week and this week, anything that comes in through our benevolence fund, all those funds will go to support uh, caring for refugee families as they arrive here in Phoenix. And you guys were super generous. I believe we've had over $5,000 given. And so thank you so much for that. Uh, it is going to be invested in local ministries uh, that help resettle uh, refugee families. And, and by the way, just I want to mention, I know this is a little bit last minute, but Mary, um, who runs the, uh, um, the uh, uh, Phoenix Refugee uh, um, Collective, or co- I'm forgetting it right now, I should have written it down. She runs a ministry to help refugees. Uh, I'm going to be on a Facebook Live with her at 2.30 today. She's got, I'm just going to kind of ask some questions that I've been hearing a lot of us ask about refugees, refugee resettlement. She's got a, a bunch of knowledge, and so we'll be on Facebook Live on our Desert Springs Bible Church Facebook page. Uh, we're going to try to make it available for those who aren't on Facebook. We'll at least record it and be able to share that so she can add some texture and color to this conversation. Again, that's today at 2.30 on our uh, Facebook page. Uh, as we think about our posture towards government, I have this question for you. If you were to survey the people that you have influence over, whether that's interpersonally, in your family, in your office space, uh, digitally, through social media, if you, were to in, uh, if you were to survey the people that you have influence on and you were to ask them, what does this person care about the most? Or what are they most known for? What is the thing that they're, they're standing for? Would their answer be your answer? Would their answer be your answer? Would the thing that they say, oh, this person is most known for this, they most stand for this, their most firmly held conviction is this, would the thing that they say out loud be the thing you would want them to say? We are all representative of the value systems that we hold. We're all representing some value system. So what value system do you represent? Especially as we think about in this particular cultural moment, when we think about politics, government, political engagement, I'm going to ask you this question straight up. Are you most known for your political affiliations or for your relationship with Jesus? Would you rather that people know your firm convictions on your political, uh, your political convictions, or would you rather them know your firm convictions on Jesus? To put it another way, who are you repping? Who are you repping? Who are you representing? In 2 Corinthians, Paul writes to a church, and he gives a little bit of a job description, and this is where, this is the text that we get this statement that we're going to live first as ambassadors of the kingdom of God. Notice in 2 Corinthians 5.17, again, if, you're, if you have the study guide, it's right there for you. You can make notes on there. There's some, there's some questions to engage with later. Uh, but I'd encourage you to make notes as we go along uh, in those. So, so this is what he says. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they are a what? New creation. They're a new creation. Keep that in mind. The old has passed away and see the new has come. Notice the language. A new what? 
creation. Now, I think that Paul is riffing on Genesis 1 and 2, where God creates the heavens and the earth, and now he's saying there's a new creation or a recreation. And, um, and, and, and here we go. Let's get after it. So in the biblical mind, right, in the mind of many of the biblical authors, if not all of the biblical authors, how did they perceive the world? How did they perceive nations? How did they perceive power? How did they perceive the world? And this is, you will find this from uh, beginning to end of your Bible. This is all over the place. There is this paradigm that the biblical authors hold that there's two uh, spheres, or there's two domains, or there's two kingdoms. One is uh, the kingdom of God, or the kingdom of heaven, or the domain of heaven. And who is the boss in heaven? Who's like the king in heaven? God, right? So they, they, they and you'll see it. Uh, actually, uh, you should read through Psalms uh, all day today when you get home. Do that. Uh, in the Psalms, you'll see language like this, that the Lord is high and lifted up. He's enthroned. Who sits on a throne? What kind of a person? A king. There's, there's political government language all throughout your Bible. And so the king of heaven, right? The king who's up in that heavenly domain, in, that, in, in, the, in the power dynamic that is called the kingdom of God, who is the boss? It's God. And then there's this other domain. There's this other place. There's heaven, and then there's what? Earth. There's heaven, and then there's earth. Now, earth, there was uh, all, many of these biblical authors, they'd say things like there's the kingdoms of this world, or you'll even have the Apostle Paul saying, the world, or the world's systems. In fact, the Apostle Paul actually has this line. He talks about the rulers, powers, principalities, and authorities. And what he's talking about is not just humans, but the power structures that undergird, that, that, that are, are interwoven into the kingdom or the kingdoms of this world. So when you hear uh, in, in the biblical text, you'll hear things like, that is of the world, or be not of the world, rather be of heaven. It's this dynamic at play. Live the value systems, not of this world, but of what? The kingdom of what? Heaven. So the biblical authors have this in mind. There's two domains. There's two uh, spheres. There's the kingdom of heaven, and there's the kingdoms of this world. If you go to the book of Revelation, you will see that this is uh, illustrated in vivid detail, where there is the kingdom of the lamb and the kingdom of the dragon. You'll find it from Genesis all the way through to Revelation. This dynamic that the biblical authors had is that there's two kingdoms, or there's two uh, uh, domains, the kingdom of heaven the kingdoms of this world. Now, in Genesis chapter one, where you have God creating the heavens and the earth, the two spheres were overlapped. God was the king, and he called humanity to be his citizens, to co-rule and reign with him. And there was harmony. There was the kingdom of God, or the kingdom of heaven, and the kingdom of earth overlapped. And then in Genesis three, what did Adam and Eve choose to do? They gave God the finger, they turned their back on God, and they went their own way. Basically saying, I want to be the king, right? Any Lion King fans in here? Someday, I just can't wait to be king. You guys remember that song? Okay, that's actually, uh, that's a commentary on Genesis 3. I don't know if you guys knew that, but that's, that is a commentary on Genesis 3. Like, I just want to be the king. And so you have this rift, this division between the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, and the kingdoms of this world. They are no, and now the kingdoms of this world are marked by sin, evil, injustice, selfishness, 
And so what are we to do? We need these fears to be reconciled, don't we? How do we get back to Eden? How do we get back to having the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of earth, the kingdoms of this world? How do we go back? Well, the Apostle Paul is going to tell us. But he believes that in Jesus Christ, the two spheres begin to come together again and be reconciled. And so in the middle, right, the coming together of the kingdom of God and the kingdoms of this world, the, the reconciling that has to happen is done not by human uh, effort, but by the work, the grace of God made known to us through Jesus Christ, that he took on flesh, became one of us, dwelt among us, was executed by the kingdoms of this world hmm, in order to bring about this reconciling work where the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of earth are reconciled together again. And Paul believes, I'm going to argue this from the text, Paul believes that the representatives of this reconciling work, of this reunion, of this act of grace, that the representatives of that is not government, it's not uh, military, it's the church. And so the church, follow me on this, the church lives as citizens of the kingdoms of this world. If you have a passport, it'll tell you where you're a citizen of an earthly kingdom. But we live according to the kingdom values, not of the kingdoms of this world, but we live right now in this world, we live as citizens of a greater kingdom, namely the kingdom of God. So we live according to our ultimate citizenship. You guys with me so far? And we model, as we live those lives, Jesus said, you are, be a light, let your light so shine before people. You're a city on a hill. People are to look in and see how Christians operate, to see how they think about sex, money, and power, and government, to see how they posture themselves towards those things. And in that, the role of the church is to put on display God's kingdom amongst the kingdoms of this world. There's a word for it. Paul will mention it here in a minute. Everything is from God, who has reconciled us to himself through Christ. What was the word? Our reconciled, right? God has reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of what? You tell me. The ministry. Where, who, who did he give the ministry to? Us, the church. The ministry of reconcil uh, reconciliation is given to the church. The church is to be about proclaiming this message. Now notice the job title. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And he has committed the message of reconciliation to us. Okay, we got that? The reconciling work, right? The good news that Jesus is the risen king and has come to rejoin the spheres. That's good news, isn't it? Therefore, in light of that good news, we are what? We are ambassadors for Christ. Since God is, no, I, oh my, check this. Since God is making his appeal, what? Through us. Through Jesus followers, God is screaming, even if you run away, as we sang about a moment ago, I will receive you back. I will leave the 99 for one. And how does that message get proclaimed? Through us. The ministry of this reconciliation has been entrusted to the church. Therefore, the church, Christians, Jesus followers, are to live 
I want to argue, first and foremost, as ambassadors of that kingdom news, of that good news. We plead on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God, right? So we exist in this space, still impacted by the sin, evil, and corruption, sometimes even contributing to the sin, evil, and corruption of the systems of this world, and yet striving to live on earth as it is in where. You guys ever heard that phrase before? Jesus taught us how to pray. The disciples go to Jesus, they say, Jesus, how to pray, and he says, pray like this, our Father, who art in heaven. We're gonna do the old King James. You wanna do the King James? Who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom, what? Come. Thy will be done. Where? On earth as it is in heaven. And so how should we posture ourselves? Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive, right? We're gonna live this kingdom amongst the kingdoms of this world. We're living right here. You guys with me so far? Okay, let's get after it. Let's talk about politics. So we live presently, at least I do, in a democratic republic. We are so blessed. By the way, um, if, you don't think, if, if you think that American politics just is a dumpster fire, hang out with people who are in countries where their government is absolutely a uh, train wreck. Like hang out with people who live under dictatorial regimes. We have an immense privilege and blessing to be able to speak into a political process to be able to have certain rights, to, to live in a country where those rights are protected. It also means that we have an immense responsibility. Uh, read your Bible. I think you should actually read your whole Bible today, not just the Psalms. Uh, it's a long weekend. That's right, it is a long weekend. Thank you, you guys can do this. Throughout your whole Bible, you will find that what Jesus' followers are to do with their power and their privilege and their rights, do you know what Jesus consistently says to do with those things? Use them in service of others. I hear a lot of talk in America about my rights, and I hear a lot of talk from Jesus saying, whatever rights, privileges you have, give them away. Use them in the service of others. If you think I'm wrong, go read your Bible. That this weekend, right now, all right, let's keep going. What's our approach to government? There's, there's four approaches, at least as I see them. I know that a lot of this, I mean, a lot of the, 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 the teaching, I will say this, all of the teachings of Scripture are applicable to any society that you're in, right? I'm going to just kind of lean into the American system, if that's okay. I totally get if you're a Christian in North Korea, it's not going to work the same. Totally get that, and I pray that, that you have a pastor who can help you guide through that. So let's take a look at our approach uh, to government and politics. Number one, we can take the approach uh, of the partisan. We can pick a side. We can say, I'm gonna, I am, and I want you just to hear me on this. Um, we can say things to ourselves. I am a Democrat. I am a Republican. Uh, I am. I just want you to hear that language. I am. Is that an identity statement? That is an identity statement. I would encourage you to be careful about the I am. Now, I choose to vote for, or I generally align with the platform of, right? Just be nuanced in your language. But to say I am, uh, it, here's the deal. If we take the partisan route, I think as citizens of the kingdom of God, inevitably the partisan leadership is going to pick an issue or pick a perspective on an issue that is out of sync with the gospel. And I'd just like to prove it to you. They're made by humans. 
Like these are, hu- these are human systems, which means that inevitably they're going to platform, there's, there's going to be a position on a particular issue that runs contrary to the teachings of Scripture, that runs contrary to the gospel. Here's my question for you. Is your following of Jesus equipping you to speak a prophetic and critical word against your own preferred party? If it's not, it may be that you've chosen to say, I'm just all in with the elephant or the donkey. Here's the problem with being totally partisan, going all in, saying my allegiance is to this party or that party. Here's the problem. They keep changing their convictions. Like read a history book. They keep changing. It's exasperating. Thanks be to God that the word of God is unchanging, solid, and true, and that Jesus doesn't change. I can follow the Jesus path knowing that it leads me to health and flourishing. I don't have to follow some political leader. And, and haven't you noticed that, they will, that, that many times people who want your vote will say whatever you want to hear, even if it's the Bible? For 1,700 years, military and political leaders have leveraged Holy Scripture for their own gain. Do not fall into the temptation of thinking that America is somehow immune to that. You think that's hard. We're going to keep going, right? Partisan. I'm going to go in, okay? So, um, uh, okay, should I do this? Yep, okay. Uh, Tremper Longman, um, brilliant uh, theologian and Bible commentator, says this. Hear me on this. No nation today, including America, holds the same status as ancient Israel did during the Old Testament period. To treat America as if it has some kind of favored divine status or role is not only mistaken, it is potentially idolatrous. I'm going to come at you fast here. There is no category in your Bible of Christian nation. Doesn't exist. Read your Bible. The biblical authors have in their minds, in their imagination, two kingdoms, two domains the kingdom of God and the kingdom or kingdoms of this world. That's it. Now, I think I understand when I hear people say, oh, America's a Christian nation, I think I know what you mean, but, but I, ugh. Two things to think about. Number one is evangelism. Is America an excellent representative of the teachings of Jesus around the world? It, after Hiroshima and Nagasaki, it was reported that many people in Japan called the atomic bombs that were dropped on their nation the Christian bomb. McDonald's, KFC, Smith & Wesson, atomic bombs. There is no Christian nation. I, I just want to lean into this. If Jesus had a category for establishing Christian nations, he would have done it. He would have killed Caesar and handed us the keys. But look at the teaching and life of Jesus. The way to power is through service, not through domination. Oh, let's get, uh, we're going to keep going. Okay. Um, yeah, like my country, tis of thee, is not in the Psalms. And I am gravely, just as your pastor in this cultural moment, I am gravely concerned that for many of us, the Pledge of Allegiance to the United States of American flag has merged with the doxology. 
that we treat our national religion as equitable or interwoven with what it means to follow Jesus. To where we call people who kneel at the, at the Pledge of Allegiance or the singing of the national anthem, we call them heretics. We are ambassadors of a greater kingdom. And when we merge our, uh, our nation's religion with the Jesus way, it always distorts the Jesus way and gives a misrepresentation. So I just, I would encourage you to just think about when you, if you use the phrase Christian nation, Christian nation, just think about what that means. And also be very careful applying promises that were made to ancient Israel, copying and pasting it over to America. That's dangerous. Because there's a command given to ancient Israel to slay the Philistines. Let's keep going. Uh, the other one. Option number two, to be disengaged. We can, like an ostrich, bury our head in the sand saying government is gross and disgusting, or we can, like a giraffe, be above it all. And look at all of these Philistines just scrambling about. No one has as much knowledge as I do. It's all just a, it's all just a game anyways and whatnot. And I'll tell you this much. This was my position until I was shown the way of truth more clearly. This was my take. I remember years ago lamenting to uh, a friend of mine, she at the time would have been in her 70s, African-American woman ministers in downtown Phoenix. And I said, you know, I just, I'm not, I don't really want to get involved in politics. I'm not really into that. And she said, well, that must be nice. Because me, my family, and the people I serve, we are directly impacted, oftentimes negatively, by how government is run. What can I do if I'm to love my neighbor other than be involved? And that was a time of repentance and, frankly, confession. I recognized that I was in a position where whatever happened in government very rarely negatively impacted me and mine. But oftentimes it was negatively impacting my sister. Do not mistake pietistic escapism for righteousness. Do not mistake pietistic escapism for righteousness. The third, we can take a warrior approach, that we are going to power up, and we're going to fight the war, and we're going to take power. By the way, can we just say, aren't these wonderful graphics? I, I honest to God, I, I just feel like an actual dragon is like, well, A, it's biblical, read Revelation, but also like, wow, guys, good job. Um, we can, in the name, oftentimes I see this, so I'm going to talk about Christians here just for a moment. In the name of Jesus, we can power up and level up and try to take. We're going to fight the war. We're going to take over. And again, just read your Bible. In fact, I'll, I'll pare back our homework. Just read the Gospels. Do you know there was a moment where Jesus, after Jesus was betrayed, uh, uh, soldiers come to get him. And Peter, one of Jesus' most trustworthy allies and friends, sees these soldiers, about to seize Jesus. And you know what Peter does? He takes out his sword. Do you know what Jesus says in response? Put it away. Put it away. That's not how my kingdom is advanced. The kingdom of God is not advanced by the edge of a sword. And it's, we've been getting that wrong since Constantine to Charlemagne to William the Conqueror to today. We're going to fight the war and take it back. We're going to take ours back. Just read the teachings of Jesus and tell me, is that anything near what Jesus teaches? Matthew eleven twelve, 12. 
Jesus says, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been suffering violence and the violent have been trying to seize it by force. I wanna be very clear. I think that we should be politically engaged. I hope you're hearing me that, but not in the posture of warrior who's gonna go in and slay the enemies and take. The ends do not justify the means. Our character, our actions display the gospel, oftentimes more in a more pronounced way than our words do. In fact, when a person's teaching does not line up with their actions, what do you generally call that? Hypocrisy. And so if we teach a peaceable kingdom, if we teach a love thy enemy, if we teach a love your neighbor as yourself, but our actions is to warrior up and to take, then how does that impact our proclamation of the gospel? Again, if Jesus wanted us to do that, he would have killed Pilate. Jesus said to Pilate, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my people would be killing you right now. But as it is, Jesus says to Pilate, my kingdom is not of this world. And what he means is it's not of this world's systems, right? Remember the two domains? My kingdom is not of this world's systems. Jesus kept, and he's calling us to do it. We do not advance the kingdom of God with the weapons of the kingdoms of this world. If we pick up the weapons of the kingdoms of this world, what we're advancing is not the kingdom of God. The ends do not justify the means. person who's had a profound impact on my life. She used to be a part of our staff, and she uh, was, and this is public, she's very outspoken. She's very in, uh, involved in advocating for uh, uh, the rights of immigrants. She herself is a DACA recipient, Deferred Action for Childhood Arrival. She was brought here as a child, and she is publicly advocating for that. And she was telling me a story years ago how she was at the Capitol building in Arizona, and she was, again, advocating for uh, DACA reform. And she saw a person who was a political leader in our state, who uh, is on the other side of the issue than she is. Is that okay? Right? He's on the other side of the issue. And some of her peers were like scorning and, and, and saying nasty things about that person. And she went up and said, hey, it's so-and-so. I'm so glad to see you today. And her friends were aghast. How could you possibly be nice to that person? Look at all the harm he's doing to our cause. And do you know what she said? We both follow Jesus, which means he's my brother, and I'm glad to see him. You see, we don't fight the culture war using the weapons of the kingdoms of this world. So how are we to then live? In fact, Paul will say in a moment in your text uh, that we fight using the weapons of the kingdom of God, which is righteousness and justice and peace. Let's take a look. The fourth option is to live as an ambassador of a greater kingdom, which means we're engaged. What's an ambassador do? An ambassador leaves their, follow me on this, an ambassador leaves their home country, enters into a foreign space in order not only to serve their country's interests, but also to serve in that space and to represent their home country's values in the foreign land. What does an ambassador do? They represent their home country's values in the foreign land. Ambassadors are different than generals. 
Generals come from a foreign land to take over or use military power, but an ambassador comes in to represent the values of the foreign land. So we can take the posture of an ambassador. This is exactly what Paul says. So an ambassador of what? What type of a kingdom? If we're not going to be an elephant or a donkey, and we're not going to be an ostrich or a giraffe, we're not going to be a T-Rex or a dragon, might there be an animal that you find consistently in your New Testament that signifies how we're to use power and influence? In, in, your, in your Bible, the last book of the Bible is all about power. And there's the way of the dragon, which is the kingdoms of this world, and there's the way of the lamb. And here's what's fascinating to me, is the biblical authors will legitimate, they'll, they'll actually use this language, that the death, burial, and resurrection of the lamb, that the resurrection of Jesus disarmed the powers of this world. That the, that, the, the, that the weapon that the kingdoms of this world, the ultimate weapon that the kingdoms of this world wield is what? Death. And guess what got beat on Easter? Death. Which means that the way of the lamb is the way up. But it's not the way that we think. The way to power is through service. The way forward is the way under. It's an upside down kingdom. The, the, uh, the mascot for the kingdom of God is not a Tyrannosaurus Rex, it's not a wolf, it's not a tiger, it's not a what, bear, oh my. The mascot of the kingdom of God is the lamb. So what might that look like? Let's just take a quick look. He made the one who did, uh, who did not know sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the What? The rightness, the justice, the righteousness, the character of God. Working together with him. Notice he's entrusted the ministry of reconciliation to whom? The church, who are to live as ambassadors. Notice, working together with him. We work together by the power of the Holy Spirit. We work together with God on his mission to reconcile the world to himself. Is that a big deal? That's a big deal. We also appeal to you, do not receive the grace of God in vain, the gift of God in vain. For he says, in an acceptable time, I listened to you, and in the days of salvation, here he's riffing on, I think, Isaiah, uh, the day of salvation, I helped you. See now, the acceptable time is now. Now is the day of salvation. Paul sees the two spheres in Jesus conjoining, right? And he's saying it's now. That day is here. Check this out. We are not giving anyone an occasion. Okay, Hi. I'm going to talk to the Christians, if you don't mind. I'm going to ask that you would open your heart to receive this. We are not giving anyone an occasion for offense so that the ministry will not be blamed. We're working in such a way to not give anyone an occasion to be offended or to, to find offense so that what? so that the ministry would not be blamed. I just, I'm going to lean into this as your pastor. Man, I love you guys so much. I feel, though, compelled to say it. If people were to ask what Christians stand for in this particular cultural moment, would it be the death, burial, resurrection, the reconciling power of Jesus Christ, loving our neighbor as ourself? 
I could tell you that for many, and many of you are still trying to figure out who Jesus is. Many of you would not associate yourselves with the church or with Jesus. You're, you're in process, and I'm so glad you're here. Many of the people who are still trying to figure out who Jesus is that I talk to think that one of the things that evangelical Christians in this country care about the most is political power. I prove it to you. Two years ago, I was talking to a person who's a friend of mine who's not a Jesus follower. He pulled me in and he said, listen, if I go to your church, you guys gonna make me vote Republican? In his mind, when we surveyed the people in our community and said, what does that church most care about? Many people are responding with, they want political power. We are not giving anyone an occasion for offense so that the ministry will not be blamed. Vincent Picotti says this, our commitment to the truth and even our outrage at injustice and evil are not sufficient to excuse us from remembering that even our greatest enemy should be what? Accorded respect. Holiness is not supposed to be cloaked in the chambers of pious hearts, but displayed in the public domains of home, school, culture, and politics. And so... Instead, as God's ministers, we commend ourselves in everything by great endurance, by afflictions, by hardships, by difficulties, by beating, by imprisonment, by riots, by labors, by sleepless nights, by times of hunger, by purity, by knowledge, patience, kindness, the Holy Spirit, sincere love, by the word of truth, by the power of God, through the, what's the word? Right? We're not going to pick up the weapons of the kingdoms of this world. We're going to live and fight, so to speak, according to the weapons of righteousness for the right and the left. How do we do that? I'm going to ask Brandon, who serves as one of our elders, to join me here. Uh, our elders, uh, especially over this last 18, 19 months, have been working overtime to think and pray through uh, how it is that we're going to actually live uh, in this particular cultural moment and live out the teachings of Jesus. And the role of an elder is to shepherd the flock. I serve as one of our elders here um, and so, Brandon, as, as we think about the last, especially the last 18 months, uh, tell us kind of your take on shepherding and, and leading us forward. So, Kayla mentioned that uh, him and I serve as, as two of our elders here, and, and we've committed to, to gathering over the last couple years uh, on a regular basis, really wrestling, learning, praying through issues of Racial, uh, racial reconciliation, um, different political movements and issues that are out there, even face masks. Um, and what, what we've gathered as a very diverse group of elders, both culturally, politically, um, what we've gathered and what we've learned is it's really hard. Um, it's difficult. It brings a lot of, of hurt, um, confusion, and but, but what we've also learned is the best way to, to learn and, and to grow together is, is to have the difficult conversations. Um, Caleb, as a pastor, has it been difficult to lead uh, ministry in the last year and a half? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I, I would horrible. imagine it Absolutely has been. horrible. Yeah. Some pastors have, have walked away from ministry. Um, one thing that I appreciate about the team here is is they have not. They've done, they've done the opposite. Um, they've had the conversations either from the stage um, or within uh, the church group. So we value that. We appreciate that. 
but it is, it is difficult, and, and we realize it's difficult for our church as well. So part of this is, is we want you to know that we're available. Um, as elders of this church, we would love to meet with you. Uh, we enjoy coffee. We enjoy lunch with you. Um, and we, we want to have an open dialogue over, over difficult issues. Uh, we would love to be able to pray with you. And, and there's actually a group of us that meet um, every Sunday morning before church here on campus to pray. Sometimes we get to pray with, with other people, um, and, and we really value that time. So one way to connect with us is, is through email. Um, it's just elders at dsbc.church. Uh, the connection card that Don and Enrique mentioned earlier in the uh, seat back in front of you, just put on there that you'd like to connect with the elders, uh, and we'd love to touch base with you. Thanks, Brandon. I really appreciate the work that you and our eldership does. Um, they, I, like, honestly, I just want to affirm what Brandon is saying. Like, one of the key things that our elders do is meet with people, talk through hard issues. So if there's ever a time where something that we do is, like, confusing or frustrating, or maybe we say something that you think is not in line with the scriptures, or you're just trying to figure out how these, all the pieces fit together, our elders are making themselves available to meet with you. Uh, even for a long time, I know that, that even Brandon, you've had long relationships with people just to navigate through some of these difficult uh, and hard to navigate issues because we want to be a people who are ambassadors of the kingdom of God and these challenges that come our way, they're not going away. <laughs> There's just going to be a new one uh, fresh every time we seek to take a step forward. And so I'm so thankful for our elders leading us uh, spiritually through that. Uh, I'm going to, you got something else? Just one more thing I'd like to mention is, is Caleb, our staff, Don, they really do truly love you guys. Um, they, a lot of times in anguish over, over decisions that have to be made um, and, and just the ministry that happens at DSBC. So I just encourage you to, to think of them often, to pray for them, um, pass an encouraging word on to them at times. And so um, they really wrestle with a lot and we wanna just make sure that they're, they're supported. Uh, I'm going to ask our band to join us, and we're going to take communion. Uh, Brandon is going to lead us through the taking of communion. So uh, for those of you who are in the room, the elements are available in the back of the seat in front of you. Uh, for those in the bay, there's, they're available on the table right back here. And for those of you joining us online, if you would please uh, obtain any elements to represent the body and blood of Jesus and join us as we take communion together.